As the kids go, if you want to grab a Bible, either from the pew or if you brought your own, we're in the book of Proverbs, and just one, one verse, just one verse this morning, Proverbs 14 and verse 26. Proverbs 14 and verse 26. It says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. That's it. I'll read it again. It's short, and then we'll pray. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Let's pray together. Lord, I know enough to know that Father's Day uh, is attended by mixed feelings for different people. I know that. And I understand that some people love it and celebrate it, and some people in this room and, and online uh, were blessed with faithful and godly fathers. And so this is a day to rejoice and to celebrate. I also know that in a room this size, that there are people who did not experience the love and the nurture and the faithfulness that comes from having a godly father. And that a day like, the, like today brings mixed feelings and can bring feelings of sadness. I know that there are fathers who look back on their years of fathering with their children who have a mixture of joy and regret, who feel on a day like today like they wish that they had done things differently when they could. And there's a sadness that comes along with it. I know that there are people who can hear my voice right now, young men who don't know whether or not they will be fathers. Maybe one day they will, but they don't know. I know that there are people who can hear my voice who have never been and will never be fathers. And yet we all know fathers. We have all had fathers. And you have invited us to call you our Father. And so I pray now as we think together, help us to think biblically and faithfully about fatherhood. And for those who are fathers or, or who will be fathers, I pray that you would encourage, energize, shape, instruct, exhort us about what that means. And for those who are not and will not be fathers, I pray that you will still encourage and shape, instruct, exhort how best they can walk alongside and support and encourage the fathers that they know. In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, as you can tell, as you heard from the prayer, this sermon is about fathers. And yes, this sermon is addressed to fathers, but also it is addressed to everyone. All of us have currently, or at least have had, fathers some of us are fathers, some are not yet, but will one day be fathers, and all of us know fathers. So a sermon about fathers is relevant not just to fathers, but to everyone. One of the most impactful sermons that I ever heard in my entire life was about fatherhood, and I heard it years before I actually became a father. I heard this sermon, and as I sat and listened to this sermon, I thought to myself, if I'm ever a father, that's the kind of dad I want to be. And it lit a fire in my soul to begin to act in such a way that if God's plan for me included fatherhood, then I would be ready. 
that particular sermon continues to shape me. And I would have missed out on that if I would have heard the topic and then tuned out and said, ah, well, I'm not a dad, so this is not relevant to me. We are a community. We we are an interconnected body, and that means that all of the Bible is relevant to all of us. The Bible never encourages us to flip through and pick through the pages and find the parts that are immediately relevant to us and ignore the rest. Married people need to think long and hard about the passages of Scripture that talk about singleness. Why? Because there are single people part of our community. And because the Bible says that single people are a special gift to the church and they have a special calling on their lives. And it's important for all of us to know that because we're all in this together. I, I've, been a, I've been a coach for a while. I started coaching high school baseball when I was in university. And it's for about three decades now I've been coaching sports. And one of the things that I've learned is that in order for a team, any sports team, to function as a team... Everyone needs to know what everyone else is doing. Even if it's not your primary job, you need to know what your teammates are doing, right? So in soccer, it's not enough for your forwards to know how to score goals. That's good, that's important, but they also need to know how they're going to interact with the midfielders and how they're going to interact with the defense. In order to do that, they need to know what it is that the midfield and the defense do even though they're not the ones doing it. And whenever we have a full team meeting to talk about tactics, and I'm explaining something to the defense, I'm always making sure and checking in that the offense is listening too and haven't checked out. Because they won't know how to do their role if they don't know what everyone else is doing. That's part of what it means to be on a team. It means viewing the world through other sets of eyes other than just your own. That's true in sports, but it's even far more true in the church. We're a body. What one person does affects everyone. And so it's important for us to know what the roles are, what's expected of everyone. And so I'm speaking about fathers, but I'm speaking to everyone. The entirety of the Bible is for the entirety of God's people. That's, that's, that's probably the most significant thing I'll say today. The entirety of the Bible is for the entirety of God's people. The Bible has much to say to us about fatherhood. Most importantly, the Bible teaches repeatedly and consistently throughout that God is our Father. The fact that God is a Father is one of the most important things about Him. The holy, powerful, just God of the universe is our Father, and He delights to be our Father. He loves being our Father. That's profound. For those of us who are fathers, our fatherhood is supposed to be like God's fatherhood. I know that sounds impossibly lofty, but that is what it means to be made in God's image, right? We're made in God's image, all of us, all of humanity. To be made in God's image means that we've been made by God, we've been made for God, and we've been made like God. And our lives are supposed to give Him glory by reflecting His character and values out to the world. And one of the ways dads do that 
is by parenting our children like God parents us. Obviously, none of us gets that exactly right. Obviously. But that's the calling. And the Bible contains a number of specific and direct messages to dads. For example, in Ephesians 6, it explicitly calls on dads, on fathers, to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4. Dads, raise your kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In Colossians 3, it specifically tells dads to parent in a way that does not provoke their children. It's a warning to dads. Dads, parent your kids in a way that doesn't provoke them. Dads, one day you will stand before the Lord and you will give account for how you raised your kids. It's one of the most important things that you will do in this life. According to the Bible, parents are supposed to be the primary spiritual influences on their kids. That is how God set it up. Right? Discipling your children. Parents, discipling your children. That is not a job that you are supposed to outsource to the teachers at school. That is not a job that you are supposed to outsource to the youth leaders at church. That is not a job that you are supposed to outsource to your kid's phone or to Hollywood or to anyone else. Teachers, youth leaders, pastors, they have a role to play. But the primary spiritual influence on the kids is supposed to be the parents. God entrusts the kids to the parents. God entrusted Isla to Henry and Sharon. They are supposed to be the primary spiritual influence on that daughter. Do we have a role to play? Yes. Yes, we do. But they are primary. The Christian home is supposed to be like a spiritual greenhouse, right? That promotes the spiritual thriving of our children. Right? That's goal number one. And dads, it is your job, dads, to set a tone of reverence for the Lord and joyful obedience to his word in your home. Set that tone, reverence for the Lord and joyful obedience to his word. Do not, dads, do not abdicate that duty. Listen, there's nothing in the whole Bible, I checked, there's nothing in the whole Bible that says dads need to be athletic. There's nothing in the whole Bible that says dads need to be mechanically inclined. It's nice. I wish I was. <laughs> Especially this morning when I came out to my car and turned the key and nothing happened. <laughs> uh, but here I am. <laughs> There's nothing in the Bible that says dads must be mechanically inclined. There's nothing in the Bible that says dads need to make a ton of money. But listen, the Bible is full of exhortations to dads to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's your calling, dads. That's your primary job. None of that other stuff. Now, if you hear that and in your heart you think, well, I'm not up for that. I can do the mechanic part. I'm not up for that, uh, being, raising my children in the, in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. Well, that's good if that feels overwhelming. That's the right response because this is a weighty calling. And if you haven't felt the weight of that and you haven't understood the calling, let me just speak a word directly to all of the many young dads who are part of this church. Such a blessing that we have so many young families, right? 
Young dads, here's something I've learned since moving to Alberta. A little lesson. Harvest is a bad time to decide that you don't like what you planted. Think about that. It is in the spring, young dads, it is in the spring that you need to have the foresight to stand and look out over an empty field and say to yourself, what do I want this field to look like when fall rolls around? And if I want this field to look like that when harvest time comes, what do I need to do now in order to get there? And then, once you've decided that, you go about the work of planning and planting and cultivating and praying and working hard, right? But listen, if you're a parent, if you're a father, now is the time to think about what you want the field of your children's lives to look like. And then to think about what you need to do now in order to help them get there. And then plan and plant and cultivate and pray and work hard. Okay, that's a, that's a word of exhortation and encouragement to young dads. Okay, now I'm rapidly exiting that season of, of dadhood. I'm, I'm, I'm rapidly approaching the season when my kids are no longer going to be under my immediate authority. Lois moves out in two months. I'm purposely not looking at her so I don't start crying. She, Lois moves out in two months. Now am I under some kind of delusion that my Parenting has been perfect? Not at all. Of course not. You know that. They know that for sure. Am I one of those parents who thinks my kids are perfect? Definitely not. <laughs> I know they're not. Listen, my, parent, my parenting has not been perfect, but it has been intentional. I can say that. It has been intentional. As I mentioned earlier, before I even became a dad, I was given just a big, beautiful vision of what loving, biblical parenting looked like. That was a gift to me. I was given that vision. And I had a clear sense from that. I so clearly remember it from that day on. I had a clear sense of the values and character traits I wanted to instill in my kids if I became a dad. And by God's grace, Marco and I have pursued that in our own flawed and limited way. I have made loads of mistakes along the way. But it has been one of the great joys of my life to see the fields of their lives growing and maturing and ripening into a beautiful harvest of righteousness for God. All right, well, what does it look like to pursue that? To say, that's, what I, that's the kind of field I want my kids' lives to look like. What is the most important thing that we could do as we pursue that calling? Wouldn't it be nice if we could just have one thing and sort of bottom line it? One thing to focus on, do this? Well, that's, that's, that's what we get in Proverbs 14, 26. And that's why I chose this verse this morning. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and in it his children will find refuge. There it is. Faithful, effective, biblical fathering begins not with your parenting, but with your own personal walk with God. That is the point this morning. This is a one-point sermon, and that is it. Faithful, effective, biblical fathering begins not with your parenting, but with your own personal relationship with the Lord. A good father does not say to their child, son or daughter, there's the path of faithfulness, go walk it. 
A, a, a faithful father says, son or daughter, here is the path of faithfulness. I'm walking it. And I am inviting you to come here and walk alongside me. Come on, let's walk this path together. That's faithful fathering. Robert Murray McShane, he's, a, he, he's my all-time pastoral hero, hero. He lived in Scotland in the 19th century. One of the things he said that always stuck with me he said, the most important thing I have to offer my congregation, the best thing that I have to offer my people is my own personal holiness. And that always has stuck with me, right? He, it, what he meant was you cannot impart what you do not possess. So pastoral ministry begins not with ministry, actually, but pastoral ministry begins with cultivating your own walk with the Lord. And it is the same with parenting. That's the best thing you have to offer your kids is to cultivate your own personal walk with God. It's the best thing you can do for your children today is to deepen your own walk with the Lord. If you fear God, if you worship His name, if you walk in faithfulness to His word, if you make Him the priority of your life, you will have, according to this verse, strong confidence and your kids will inevitably pick up on that. And then your relationship with God will become a refuge for your kids. Right? When the verse says, in it will be a refuge, the it there is not the Father. The it there is not God. The it there is the Father's devotion to God. It, the Father's relationship with His Heavenly Father, is what becomes the fortress for, the, for his children. Our children find security and safety and comfort and spiritual nurturing, th nurturing through our walk with God. Every good parent wants to provide for their kids' physical needs, right? Uh, obviously. And they go to great expense and effort to do so. Kids are expensive, right? It takes a lot of selfless effort to provide a secure house and food and clothing for our kids. And most dads that I know are only too happy to make that effort, and that's great. That's good. But dads, your kids' spiritual needs are even more important than their physical needs. Right? The way that you meet their physical needs is by working hard and saving money and spending it wisely. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes sacrifice. And the way that you meet their spiritual needs is by cultivating your own relationship with God. And you know what? It's going to take time, and it's going to take effort, and it's going to take sacrifice. The best thing that you can do for your kids is not a parenting technique. It's pursuing God, running hard after God. And conversely, if you ignore your own spiritual life, that is the spiritual equivalent of if your kid is sick and you don't give them medicine, or if your kid is hungry and you don't give them food. They need this. They need you to walk in nearness to God. They need it. Dads, our pursuit of God is not just about us. It is about the security and happiness of our children. Our faith, this is how God set it up, our faith will impact whether or not our children grow up fretful or firm in the faith. And when our children are young, the, 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 we are the image and the embodiment of God in their lives, right? That's how God set it up. I know that's a huge calling. But our, our kids will begin to understand what God is like by the way that we father them. 
if we are faithful and confident in the Lord, they will be much more likely to cleave to God as their refuge when the storms of life break over them later because they've seen us do that. And make no mistake, your children are watching you and your children are smart. Every parent knows that feeling when you see your kid do something and you think to yourself, hey, wait a minute, I didn't teach him to do that. Where did that come from? But you did teach him to do that. Not, maybe not with your words, but you did teach him to do that with your actions. And your kids were watching and they were learning from you. So what are your kids learning as they watch and as they imitate? Do they see a man who places the priority of his walk with the Lord above all things? Do they see you, Dad, spending time each day in prayer and in God's Word? Do they see you consulting God's Word when you need to make a big decision? Do they see you joyfully submitting your life to God's authority in all things? You know, dads, that your kids are going to love what you love, right? Have you figured that out? Your kids are going to love what you love. That's how it works, right? It's not an accident that my kids love soccer and baseball and reading and music and ice cream. Those are the things that I love. But even more importantly, I hope that they are observing and absorbing and imitating my love for the Lord. And as my kids observe me, Will they see a perfect dad who always does the right thing? No, they will not. That is life. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing that my kids see my flaws and my failures because that's real life. And rather than covering up our flaws, we need to model how we respond when we fail. Dads, if you've gone more than a month without apologizing to your kids, you've gone too long. Because I guarantee you in the past month, in one way or another, you've, you've failed them during that time. Our kids need to, to learn from us what devotion to God looks like, but they also need to learn from us what it looks like to fail and apologize and repent and start over again. They need to see us do that. And if we handle it right, our failures provide some of the most important spiritual lessons that our kids will ever learn. Now, I know earlier in the sermon I addressed the younger dads. I encourage you to think about what kind of harvest you want in your kid's life. Let me also just speak a word of encouragement to dads who have kids that are older, maybe who have kids who are adults now, maybe have kids who have kids of their own. You know what? Dads in that situation, your kids are still watching you. you your kids are still learning values from you. Maybe your devotional life wasn't what you wish it was when they were living in the home. All right, well, you can't go back and change that. But they're still watching. And trust me, they'll notice it if, if you start running hard after the Lord right now. You know how kids spell, spell things funny sometimes because they spell it the way it sounds and then it makes us chuckle? For some reason, that's funny. I have this picture given to me by my youngest daughter. She's not in the room right now. Um, it's, it's entitled, it's a lovely little picture of a mouse, and it's entitled Crocheted Mouse. Do you know how to spell crocheted? <laughs> I don't. She spelled it C-R-O-S-H-A-I-D, crocheted. That's how it should be spelled, right? That's how it sounds. Well, let me ask you this. You know how kids spell love? 
T-I-M-E. That's how they spell love. When your kids are misbehaving, do not take the quick and easy way out and raise your voice and intimidate them into changing their behavior. Remove them from that situation. Give them the time it takes. I know it's inconvenient, but give them the time it takes to explain to them both the problem and the solution to their defiant behavior. And take the opportunity while you're at it to tell them how much you love them and how much God loves them. And don't just address their behavior when it's bad, but proactively cultivate godly behavior in your children. It's not like our only job is just discipline bad behavior, but to cultivate godly character. Don't just ask them what they want to be when they grow up. Ask them what they want to be like when they grow up. It's a much more important question. Why aren't we asking kids that? What do you want to be like when you grow up? I don't care what you be. I don't care what you are. I don't care what you do. I want to know what you're going to be like. What do you want to be like when you grow up? That's what parents should be asking their kids. And then we should be helping them walk the path of biblical faithfulness in order to get there. Don't just tell them to read their Bibles every day. Read it with them. Don't just tell them to pray every night, but pray with them. In, a, in our house, every, every member of our family is reading the same um, Bible reading plan this summer. We all read the same chapter of Scripture, and then we get together and talk about what we read. Doing it together. I, I'd be happy to send you a link to that plan if you want to use it in your own household. How will our kids know that we fear the Lord unless we spend time modeling that to them and doing it with them? I know plenty of dads, plenty of dads who look back with regret on the time when their kids were young and living in their homes because they wish, the regret is, they wish they had spent more time with them, more time with their kids modeling faithfulness and fear of the Lord. But I don't know any dad, any dad, who has poured himself into his children and looks back and, with regret and says, boy, I wish I would have spent more hours at work and I wish I would have had more me time and spend more time doing my hobbies and less time with my kids. I've never heard a dad ever say that. Dads, that's your primary calling. This is how we will provide our children with a secure fortress in which to grow up. By fearing the Lord and intentionally modeling that to our children. Let's pray together. Holy Father, you've spoken so plainly and clearly that our walk with you, our relationship with you is the most important thing in life and that all of the rest of life ought to orbit around you. And yet it's so easy to get distracted from that and to focus on other things and to invest ourselves in other ways. And so, Lord, would you just use this morning as a chance for us, all of us, to recalibrate to recenter our hearts and minds and lives on you. And for those of us who are parents, to recommit to passing that on to our children. I pray that we would learn to fear you. And I pray that in that fear of you, our children would grow up safe and secure and would find strong refuge. In your name, amen.